All right, our next guest is my friend, Dan McFadden. So one of the guilty pleasures I have with this podcast is being able to reconnect and talk to a lot of people that I knew, you know, in my previous life as a kid. You know, Dan is a former teammate of mine in baseball, um, but now he's on to something that's really, really great. So Dan's background is he used to work with autistic children, ABA, uh, not only in the school, but also in centers in New Jersey. And he saw a great need for an online platform to manage all the different tools and different platforms that you know an ABA instructor or someone that's working with a student with autism may need and I learned so much about um, working with people with it on the autism spectrum in this podcast that I had no idea and it as I said to him in the podcast it's almost crazy to think that something like what he's trying to create with an application uh, has not been created before so if you know someone that has autism or are connected in the autism community or are just interested in learning about some behind the scenes stuff and how to make this, you know, a better opportunity for people with autism or working with autism, this podcast is perfect for you. This is the Stay Healthy New Jersey podcast aimed at helping you live an active and healthy life in and around Somerset and Union County, New Jersey. This podcast is brought to you by Strive to Move, located in Warren and Berkeley Heights. Strive to Move helps active adults in New Jersey get back to doing what they love pain-free. All right, Dan, how are you today, my man? Doing great, man. It's a, it's a pleasure to be here with you. Yeah, so we are doing, this is our first remote podcast, actually international podcast. You are currently in Canada recording this, and we are here in New Jersey, so hopefully it turns out well. Yeah, yeah, that is correct. Uh, went up to Canada for the winter, like uh, smart people do. Yeah, well, um, that's, that's <laughs> well. So then, everything you say from now on has no credibility. I think. Right. <laughs> Shoot, man. Oh, God. So already. So let's get, let's get into it a little bit. I think this is interesting. It's a topic that we haven't covered at all, um, and it is it is autism. And we'll talk a lot about, you know, what you're actually doing and what you're developing. But why don't you tell the audience a little bit about yourself and your background, and that'll lead us into, you know, what you're doing now. Sure. Yeah. So I worked in uh, an autism education setting for almost 10 years. Um, and uh, the the gold standard for education in, in um, autism is a science called applied behavior analysis, which more frequently is uh, known as ABA. And uh, it looks at behavior and the the way that we can help to modify and change otherwise really stubborn behaviors, um, things that we, uh, so for students who may not be this, you know, the standard education system may not be working as well for them, which, you know, a, a lot of times is the case for uh, autistic students. Um, we can kind of help them to break down their goals and objectives and define them behaviorally and uh, come up with behavior change strategies that wind up working in the long term. So tell me more specifically, because you did work for, you know, 10 years. What was your, where did you work and what did you do? Because it'll help paint a picture for the audience as we get sure. into, uh, you know, what you're doing now. Sure. Yeah. So um, my first four years was in actually Bridgewater Art and School District, which uh, we both attended. Go Panthers. Yeah. Uh, and uh, so I was working in a classroom, kids roughly age eight to 12. 
Um, and so, you know, and a lot of times just a one-on-one setting where, uh, you know, working, uh, you know, with one student at a time, um, in pretty intensive, uh, ABA, you know, uh, those classrooms are generally, uh, you're going to have maybe four or five staffed every five, six, seven kids. So it's a pretty, it's a pretty intensive experience there. Um, and then I went on and did another four or five years, uh, at a place called Princeton child development Institute where I was working with adults with autism and, uh, they were living in semi independent settings and we were basically doing everything that we could to help support them to be as independent as possible. So as a real, I know there's many different, I guess, levels of it. And again, correct me if I'm using the wrong terminology, but just Mm to um, educate the audience, talk to me about, you know, from either the students or the adults, what, what specifically, you know, was your role and, and, you know, what were their, I guess, I don't know, again, the proper word, what was their limitations or, or where did you find that you needed, they needed the most help from you when you were working in those settings? Yeah, sure. So um, what we're trying to do is define the behaviors that are going to help these students best be able to, you know, achieve their goals. So for a, a lot of our students, it's going to be, are they going to be able to live independently at some point down the line or, you know, to what, to what degree are they going to be able to, uh, to achieve independence? And so, um, with applied behavior analysis, you you define those behaviors and then you set up behavior change programs to define this is exactly the the process that we're going to go through to try to help them to achieve this goal. And so um, on a day in and day out basis, when you have these behavior change programs, you're in the classroom, you're implementing them again, typically on a one-on-one setting, you're using motivational systems to help keep your students engaged and motivated in what's going on. And you're taking data on the behavior change program. So every Every single probe, every single session that we would have when we're working towards a specific skill, I'd be taking data on the outcomes that are going on, and we would be tracking that data to make sure that if we're trying to make behavior change in a certain area, that we're actually seeing that change. Because for a lot of our students, uh, you know, that change can be pretty stubborn, pretty resistant, and we're going to have to stay at it for a long time to be able to see the change that is going to help them to have that, you know, that independence down the line. Uh, Talk to me about... You were in a you were in a classroom with kids that you know you're hoping their one day their goal is to to be independent. But I know there's a spectrum of it, and there's many right. kids that may be on the spectrum that aren't in that type of setting. So, um, I guess almost before that setting, or if it isn't to that level, what are some of the maybe signs that might happen that someone can be independent, but they may have um, some sort of, of setback where they're not able to, you know, they're, they would be considered on the spectrum, but I guess more able to be independent. What is that exactly? Sure. Yeah. And so it it definitely is a spectrum. And, you know, when you look at autism, it's actually autism spectrum disorders. And so, and for every single student, it's going to look very, very different. You know, I've had, uh, students who I worked with who were, completely verbal you'd have a hard time differentiating necessarily uh if you had a conversation with them on the street that uh, they had autism in any way and then i've had other students who were completely non-verbal but lived in a semi-independent apartment setting where they held down a part-time job where they were making meals for themselves every night of the week where they were you know cleaning the apartment and going out and exercising every single day and able to handle, you know, a lot of the things that, uh, that a completely independent adult would also would, uh, normally be able to handle. So, um, typically autism, uh, is characterized by difficulty with, uh, 
a lot of it has to do with social social cues and understanding of the stimuli that most of us don't need to be taught to understand. So for instance, things like eye contact or personal space, you know, nobody ever sat down and told you like you need to give a person roughly one arm's length distance, but that's something that we would have to teach in our classrooms all the time because some of these socially relevant variables that the rest of us are just able to cue in on naturally, a lot of students with autism are unable to to pick up on those things. And so things like verbal behavior, things like socializing with others become really difficult and they need to learn those things in a more structured, formalized setting instead of just, you know, the, the way that we would do with uh, a typically developing child where you just kind of assume it's going to happen on its own. We can't so really make those assumptions with our students. Tell me about specifically with that student that you would, you know, meet on the street and you may not even know what would be, you know, why would they be on the spectrum then? So, uh, you know, I'm thinking specifically about that one student, uh, he would have sort of uh, perseverative or like sort of obsessive uh, things that where if, you know, he, he was very locked into certain things. And that's another thing that's a sort of a, a signature of autism is having fascinations or obsessions with specific topics. So you might have, you know, a uh, six-year-old who could tell you every model of airplane that has ever existed, you know, from, you know, or trains or, you know, different things like that. So that's sort of another hallmark uh, thing about autism. Um, inability to handle change in the environment is something, something else that, uh, you know, again, when I'm thinking specifically back to that, student that I was talking about who uh, could communicate well uh, <clears throat> when routines or the the day-to-day the -day life that he was used to would be thrown off, you would see massive behavior changes with him, which were, you know, not really appropriate for a man of his age to be displaying. Um, and so trying to help him to manage that behavior and be able to be independent the way that he wanted to be independent, which, you know, any of us has to be able to deal with, with routine change and, you know, every single day, how many things that you were expecting to go one way wind up going another, you know, so, uh, trying to help equip him with the ability to be flexible, to be able to say when this, when this kind of thing happens, a, can I recognize that this is happening in my life and B, what can I do to kind of help myself not go down uh, those sort of behavior patterns that I've followed in the past. Do you have examples of of students or people that would be considered on the spectrum um, but are uber successful, I guess, in their choice of whether it's career or activity and that, you know, what you're describing to me seems like that obsessive nature could it, while it's not ideal, there is something where if they over-index in whatever they're interested in, that it, they can be very, very successful in one thing. Have you experienced that or seen that, or are there stories of that? For sure. I mean, it, it's sort of folklore, but a lot of people think that Einstein was on the spectrum. A lot of the sort of geniuses of the past who were able to bury themselves in a specific style of work, when people look back at their behavior, at least the best that we know of their behavior now, you can look at it and say, man, there's a lot of a lot of sort of tendencies that we're seeing here that that lean towards them being on the spectrum in some capacity. Um, so and I mean, there's a lot of 
people in the the tech world kind of believe that a lot of the people who are in that space now and are doing incredible things are have these sort of leaning towards autism spectrum disorder tendencies. Um, I, I do know there is one uh, very famous example in the autism community, a woman named Temple Grandin, who uh, her her sort of fascination is with um, like farm animals. Mm-hmm. And she completely revolutionized the way that the, I think, I believe it's the meat industry, the way that they would handle and process the, the animals that, uh, that they were working with. Um, she was, her insight, her ability to kind of like break that down for that industry uh, was, it was revolutionary. And her ability to express herself um, combined with the success that she's had has made her sort of a, like a, a big, uh, sort of celebrity in the the autism community. I know she like goes around and tours giving, giving speeches, uh, advocating for individuals with autism, um, and their abilities, you know, if we're able to help and support them in the ways that we're, you know, really figuring out that we can. So, um, yeah, she's really cool. Has there ever been people that have said like, well, let's not do let's not intervene too much with that type of person because we might take away their genius. Yeah, there's definitely, um, you know, there, there's a really, there's strong networks for that. Now there's a, there's some of the autism self advocacy network and, uh, it's, I, I've seen some really cool stuff that they're doing, um, to help people to, to advocate for themselves. And, um, you know, when I look at ABA and the things that we do and the, the way, some of the, the ways that, that the ABA field used to operate, um, ABA is doing a lot of things now to make sure that the students, their families, the advocates of the students that, that we're working with, that they have a very active role in planning what kind of behaviors, what kind of things that it is that we're trying to change. And, you know, when you're when you're implementing a behavior change program, you're not trying to change the person, you're trying to change the behavior. We're trying to say, how can we affect the variables that surround this behavior to make it to, to improve this and create behavior change in a direction that we're looking for. And to me, the most important thing nowadays is that we're including those students, we're including their families and their, and their advocates to make sure that the behavior change that we're trying to make is something that is going to be significant. What the phrase that is used in applied behavior analysis is that the, the behavior change is going to be socially significant, which to me means that it's going to be of value to either the student, to their families, or the, their community. So are they going to be able to better be a functioning and contributing member of society by learning this, by you know, by having this behavior change take place? Um, and, you know, you look back at, uh, I, you know, I, I know that for a lot of the students that I'd worked with, if you went back 70 years to the, you know, the practices that they had in the you know the 50s or so when people were just sort of mass institutionalized and put on drugs and and you know sedated for the large part of their adult lives you know it's thank goodness that we've had this sort of pendulum swing in the other direction where we're now helping people to advocate for themselves where we're trying to help them become functioning con- contributing members of society um because you know it, it you'd be losing a massive resource. Like you were saying before, there are some incredible things that, uh, people with autism can do and, you know, have, you know, it's some people look at it as, as their superpower, not as a disability. So, um, you know, we're trying to help these people to be as effective and, uh, you know, achieve, achieve their goals. 
That's uh, it's it's an interesting topic, and and I'm glad we're going through it. Let's transition into you know, obviously you know and have worked in the in that field for a while, but tell the audience about the project that you're currently working on and the genesis behind that. Yeah, so uh, um, we stopped working uh, actively in the field about two years ago and started working on um, developing what is we're soon to be releasing we're just now in test in uh, our first round of testing but we're developing an aba app a platform that's going to help people with uh, who are working in these uh, aba classrooms helping the students helping their families to be better integrated as a full uh, care team for the for the students with autism um and so uh it's been a heck of a process. It's been a, a lot of work and uh, learning some brand new things that I've never been, uh, I've never worked on before. But um, you know, we're just trying to take, you know, the, there's so much incredible technology in the world today, and the the power of that technology is incredible. Uh, and we think that creating some good software that could really help uh, people in these classrooms, in these settings. Um, you know, I, I was so frustrated when I was in the classrooms. A ABA is really effective. It's it's awesome. The things that the you know, the behavior change that I was able to, to, to see with my students, it was some really awesome and inspiring stuff. But it is incredibly labor intensive. It's incredibly material intensive. And so when you're running around a classroom or, you're, you know, you're working with uh, your students and you've got literally more binders and clipboards and timers and counters on you than you could fit in your hands, you're limit, you're literally limited by, by what you can carry with you, how effective you can be is limited by that. And so in the age of of touchscreens and iPads and things like that, it seemed so silly to me that, you know, we're out here working this hard when it could just be on one screen. So, you know, we're trying to take all that and put it onto, uh, onto a single screen so that these teachers are, uh, you know, they don't have to worry about that anymore. You know, it, it's hilarious. I'd see teachers run around classrooms with like, you know, those Home Depot tool belts. Yeah, like because they, like they literally could not carry enough things in their pockets and hands at one time. So, um, you know, I think especially with the adults that I was working with, if you're out at like a job site and you're trying to help your student to be independent at the job, if you're walking around behind them with a Home Depot belt with clickers and timers hanging out of it, it's not a really it's not a good look for most for most. Uh, you know, we had some guys who were working at a at like a high end hotel like that's that doesn't really help their ability their employment odds you know staying employed there if they've got some weirdo running around the hotel with you know the home depot belt on uh so to try to you know add a little more give some more dignity some more uh a more modern touch and feel to uh the aba providers who are out there trying to uh help these students that's sort of uh you know what we're doing what we're thinking where we're heading with that so take me back and and Talk to me about how your experience might be different. So let's say seven, eight years ago, Dan's working in, in the school with the kids mm -hmm. and he's got to do this, this and this with his tool belt and his papers. Um, what were you doing and how would it look different in, in the perfect world if this if this technology works the way it should? What would be the differences right now? Yeah, so there. So I mentioned earlier that there's motivational systems that you would wind up using with with your students, which um, 
as uh, an example that I think most people would probably understand, there's something that we know of called a token economy, which is this uh, a really cool and effective motivational system that we use with students that looks a lot kind of like, you know, people will sometimes use like a gold sticker chart if they're trying to like potty train uh, their children, something like that. It's yeah. very similar where, you know, if you do X, then you will earn why and you outline the rules that of how behavior is supposed to look and then as the student winds up succeeding and then you uh give them another what we would call token sort of like the the gold sticker uh in the gold sticker chart example example and um you know so i would have one of those in one hand i would have educational programs in a binder or on a clipboard on the other hand and you have you know to try to help uh our students have a a more comfortable understanding of their day. A lot of things are like, again, based around routines and schedules. And so using timers to help them kind of differentiate blocks of time and saying, you know, okay, well, we have a five minute break now. So start your timer for five minutes. And then after that timer goes off, come on back and we're going to be working at the table again. So I might have a timer in my back pocket, a motivational system in my left hand, my educational programs in the right hand. And you're going to need data sheets as well. Cause like I said earlier, you're taking data on every, literally every, every educational program that you have, every session that you run. So, you know, I have the educational programs, the data sheets, the motivational systems, timers, and that's all for one student and there's seven students in the classroom, right? So that gets really overwhelming really fast. And so when you have all that stuff, and again, you're literally limited by what you have on you in your hands at any given time, what my thought was, if we can take all of that, if we can take it and put it onto one screen, how much more effective our teacher is going to be? How much more effectively can you move from student to student and be better prepared and equipped to handle all the things that you're trying to do, um, you know, on a day in, day out, minute to minute, second to second basis in one of these classrooms? So uh, it sounds amazing. Um, talk to me. <laughs> well, uh, but now let's get real. Talk to me about What's been the biggest, the, the hardest part about this? I know you mentioned some of the struggles, but again, in theory, when it gets done, it sounds like something that's a no-brainer, but right. I, talk me through the process of what's been some of the challenges you've dealt with in trying to create this. Sure. Well, I think that when you take on a project like this, there's going to be, there's, there's kind of two different kinds of problems that pop up. There's the first, which is sort of like, to me, the hardest thing was actually just pulling the trigger and jumping on this, on on the idea, right? Because this was something that I had thought of in uh, in the classroom. You know, something something happened. I was working with a student, and and I was just like, why? Like, this technology exists. I, I th like, why is it that I can't just have you know a motivational system which I can for my student. I'll, I'll walk you through the actual, like I can remember specifically the moment that I had the idea for the app. I had a student who was, uh, it was like one of the adults in the, in, in the uh, semi-independent apartments that I was working in, who we were trying to help him learn how to spend his ind independent time appropriately one at night once he had sort of finished all of his work for the day. He had a history of, um, he would sort of do, he would like tap or bang on the walls and he would uh, self-talk. And so we were trying to help him learn how to hang out 
responsibly listen to some music and relax in his room at the end of the night. And so he had been hanging out in his room, super awesome, was being independent, doing great, and went back to his room to like to praise him and say, dude, you're doing an awesome job. This is fantastic. You're really, you know, you're you're hanging out appropriately and responsibly. That's so cool. Great job. And give I forget exactly what his motivational system was at that point in time, but to go back and reward him for that. And I come in and very clearly I was in interrupting him he was not happy to see me at all. I, me being there, all of a sudden, all the behaviors that I was trying to change start start popping up, and I'm like, why? Like, okay, so clearly, I am not. <laughs> me walking back there was not of value to him, but I still want to be able to reinforce him. He has his cell phone. He has his iPad back there. I have my computer. Why can't I just give him? points on his motivational system from the other room like like that technology is not crazy why can't I just do that and so that was what kind of planted the seed and so it took maybe like two or three years of that idea just marinating in my head like this I could so better serve these students if I had x y and z and then from that point forward every time that I saw something that I was like man that would be so much better if it was on a digital, you know, if there was some kind of digital interface that I could be using, I just kind of kept stockpiling all of those ideas. And so that's the sort of long way of getting back to your question, which is, you know, at what point did I think that this was a good enough idea that I was ready to separate from this sort of regular job that I had, which was paying the bills and the mortgage, you know, all that and actually take the plunge and decide that I was going to bet on this idea and myself and my ability to execute on it. And so I think kind of like emotionally, that was for me, the hardest thing was saying, I'm okay with, I need to know what's going to happen if I take this shot. I need to see how, what's going to happen if I open this door. Cause if I don't, it's going to be a regret at the end of my life. And you know, that's uh, to me, that was probably the hardest, uh, emotional hurdle to get over at the beginning. But, um, then as like a more sort of on the practical functional side of problems to, to get through, uh, there's a lot, <laughs> which, you know, I know you as a small business owner uh, probably have had to go through a lot of these same things. But, um, you know, at the beginning when it's just an idea and it's something that you're trying to get other people to believe in, you know, trying to find funding, how am I going to get this thing off the ground? How am I going to actually go be able, I know nothing about coding. So, you know, how are we going to find the finances to actually be able to get this thing coded? And how are we going to market it after that happens? And how are we going to establish ourselves in this community? Because I not only want to be able to provide this app, but, you know, I, I know that I've heard from many of the parents and families of the students who I've worked with uh, that ABA is can be a little bit daunting. It can be it's very scientific. And when you are first trying to approach it and understand that, OK, these teachers are telling me that I can have all, the, all these great outcomes for my loved one who we're, we're, we're entrusting them with. But I want to be involved. I want to understand what's going on. And when you would go and Google what ABA is. Uh, you know, I I find that the the things that you find are either way too simple, way, like you know they're they're rainbows and unicorns and you know uh, PowerPoint presentations that are you know way 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 too like, a little bit insulting to people's intelligence, or they are uh, like scientific literature articles that go way above the head of a typical layperson. Um, and so you know we want to also sort of establish ourselves as a thought leader in the community and helping to bring. ABA to to people in a way that is reasonable and logical and uh, you know uh, we hope fun to to understand and, and fun to uh, digest so um, that's sort of another aspect that we're trying to hit as well because 
you know, I really believe that for the people who are, you know, the support system for the students that I was working with, that they're really motivated. They really want to help their students. They they or they really want to help their loved ones. And uh, if we can get them involved in the more involved in the the teaching process, that we would see even greater uh, greater behavior change for the students that we were trying to work with. So where are we in the process now? Like, are we close to releasing this? Or are we very far off? Like, what's going on? Yeah. So, I mean, it's kind of funny. I was actually talking with uh, the, the other members of the team and I was saying like, hey, so this is like, we actually haven't even put it out on social media that we're working on the app. We were just for the past year or so trying to establish that, you know, we are, uh, you know, that we know what we're talking about, that we're, we're here to help, that we're trying to be, become a real active, engaged member in this community and uh, develop some of that trust, but we haven't even released it yet. That So this is this is the first that we're talking about it in public. So this is kind of a cool moment Breaking for me. News. Yeah, <laughs> you heard it here first. Um, and so, but the app is currently in our, we're sort of in our first round of testing, which is like family and friends, anybody who we know who has an iPad that we can get them to download it. We're just getting all the feedback that we can on the first round. And uh, we're actually uh, looking to be starting our, our first sort of like public beta um, and getting it out in the next uh, next like couple of months. And we're actually uh, applying for a grant to do a study on on it as we go through that phase because, you know, we really want to see whether or not, you know, we want to put our money where our mouth is. And if this is actually going to have an effect on uh, the teachers and the students and the families' lives, we want to have some data to show that because, you know, that being <laughs> being uh, in applied behavior analysis, if I don't have data to back something up, I'm not going to try to make any claims that uh, that I can't really support. So. Um, you know, we want to run a study to see whether or not this is actually having the effect on uh, classrooms that we think it's going to. So how did you go about, if you don't mind me asking, you know, you've been working for a year um, to get funding and to like fund this thing. I, you know, my background as a small business owner, it was literally, I started my LLC and then, then a week later I was setting up a table in a gym, self-funding it, getting, right. going, getting going. This is, I'm always interested in this part of it because it's, it's so far into to what I do. So what's that process like? Yeah. So, uh, so we got things started. And I mean, really the hard thing is, is, uh, having, because we, our main platform is going to be the app. We needed a, a coder and that does not come cheap. Um, and so the two options were kind of, do we want to give 50% of the company to a, uh, sort of like a tech, somebody who would become our tech side co-founder and get, you know, attached to this person for the the life of the company. Or do we want to try to pay a third, a third party uh, provider, which is the route that we wound up going because, you know, I, we really value the ability to control the direction, um, make sure that we stay true to our mission to help as many, as many individuals with autism to, uh, to be able to achieve their goals as we possibly can and, you know, supporting these, these families and, and these teachers. So, um, sorry, I feel like that wasn't exactly the answer to the question you're asking. You might remind me and well, get me back on track. Well, so you hired a, a third party coder. So they're mm -hmm. you know, technically just either an outsource. Yeah. Um, so what else does the team look like right now? Uh, so it's a family affair. Uh, my father worked in uh, electrical engineering for 40 years uh, or so, and uh, which winds up being, you know, he did a lot of, of work uh, testing software and and uh, things like that. So it winds up working perfectly. He had retired and I said, hey, 
pulling you back out. <laughs> We're, yeah, you're coming with me. And he joined the team. Um, and so with uh, stuff like uh, the testing of the app, his knowledge in that field, one, it's it's wildly, it's just in, in, incredible to me that uh, how lucky that is uh, to be able to have him on the team because it fits so perfectly, you know, his strengths compared to mine as sort of the ABA background. And, you know, I really like doing the creative and the the social media content stuff. Um, to have him to complement that. And then uh, actually my mom winds up doing a lot of the um, administration organizing and uh, sort of management of the stuff to make sure that, uh, you know, that I stay on track because that is not <laughs> one of my strengths and, and, you know, kind of keeping us, uh, she sort of does all the 10,000 feet stuff, you know, looking down and saying, okay, making sure we're staying uh, true to the big picture that we're trying to accomplish. So yeah, it's, it's the three of us right now, but uh, we're trying to, you know, expand. <laughs> and so in an ideal world, this, the testing goes relatively well in the way that for you guys that you're going to make this into a business is to either, you know, sell it to school districts or individuals or both or organizations. Yeah. So that's, uh, that's a really good question. Um, and obviously school districts that have ABA classrooms would definitely be something that we would want to try to, to target institutes with that specifically try to serve the autism community in an ABA capacity. Obviously we're going to be trying to target those as well. Um, but sort of my vision from the beginning was I wanted to be able to help the, you know, the, 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 the families so that like the, you know, the, the mom who wants to be more involved in the process. And, you know, a lot of research shows that when you start involving, uh, the family in the in the behavior change programs that you're going to see way more robust and way more um, way better maintained behavior change. Um, and I think that's a big aspect that the ABA world hasn't quite yet tapped into. And so between having the app available. So as an example, if we created a motivational system right in the classrooms that I used to work in, that would look like it would be a printed out sheet of paper that had a grid with boxes and we would laminate that sheet of paper and put Velcro on it so that uh, if you were earning tokens, you could literally just Velcro rip one off of the back and put it on the front when the student was earning their tokens. And again, that's sort of like the gold sticker example that I was talking about earlier. Um, and so a lot of times that motivational system would be sort of our our lifeblood in the in the classroom because, you know, everything that the student was working for and earning all came through that. And so if we sent that home and it didn't come back we were done, you know, like we, we, you couldn't risk sending those super high value materials that you had created home because if they didn't come back, you were done. You, you just, the, the next day or however long it took for you to get it back or to create another one, which like, you know, to, to create the document, to, to print it out, to laminate it, to do all the Velcroing, all that stuff. It takes time. It takes a lot of time. And again, when you're working with this one student, it's not just the one student you've got, you know, any the classrooms that I was in were typically five to 10 students. And so, you know, you just couldn't risk these high value materials going missing. Now, if we put that onto the app and it all exists there, it literally travel like it's, it's, it's on the cloud. It's everywhere all the time. So anybody who's a part of this student's you know, intervention team can be a part and play a role, which they weren't able to do before. So again, that's sort of two part thing that we're trying to do, which is to better educate people on what ABA is and how to use the tools in the ABA toolbox. And also, you know, giving them this app, which is going to make it so that the materials are all there. They're everywhere at the same time. So if you're 
if you're the ABA, you know, if you're the behavior analyst and you want to take a look at the data, you don't have to drive to a school to go check out the data binder in a classroom. You can literally just log into the app and check it out from there. Um, so, you know, to be able to better better serve people in more remote locations, um, you know, if you're in New Jersey or California or Boston, you've got great ABA programs everywhere. It's not it's not hard to find, but if you're, you know, in, you know, the Midwest and you're, you know, the a single parent, it's going to be real, real hard for you to, to try to find quality services for your, for your child. And so, you know, we're trying to look at this as like, okay, this is also a way that we're going to help to spread and disseminate high quality ABA around the world to these places where otherwise there would just be no, no chance of these people getting you know, that kind of care. It's, it's interesting. I'm thinking about what you're saying. And it's interesting to me because when you and I were in high school, if you remember when we would get a report card we get a printout in school and we bring it home to see our to, to show our parents right um and now i know that it's all just online they log right. in it's online and it almost sounds in a much more um detailed and and i think purposeful way that is similar like we have so much technology cloud like why can't people just log in why do you have to send someone home with in your example of the gold stickers like why do you right. have to send them home with the whole stupid sheet of paper when we have all this technology everyone's got an ipad a phone a computer that could all just be shared and everyone's on the same page now very very easily yeah yeah and it's you know i, I think it's sort of a it speaks to where you know the world is going right now right so like you can become an, you know, sort of like a, a, a home expert at just about anything. If you, you know, if you want to find information on almost anything you can. And I, I think you look at the, the way that a lot of industries and a lot of economies are going, it's taking, we're sort of going away from the old larger structures the you know, the, the way that things used to work where you would go one place for an expert and that expert would give you X advice. And it was all sort of very cookie cutter style. Now people are getting involved in a lot of the things that they otherwise never used to. And you're seeing a lot of these sort of like old industries have to adapt and change to meet this sort of growing and better informed public. And I think that's something that we should embrace and try to say, like, you know, there is sort of a feeling in the I know in the ABA community that like you want highly trained professionals administering these behavior change programs. And it's absolutely true. You like I you, you want the supervision of board certified behavior analysts, which are called BCBAs there. That's the graduate level um, degree in in ABA. Like there is no replacement for that, for the the expertise and opinion of someone who's been well trained in an area. But I think that we're doing a disservice by not educating the community uh, the uh, for the students that we're working with as well as we could and overlooking them as somebody who could be a really really strong asset um in creating the you know the change that we want to um so yeah no it's 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 good stuff and and you know i'm so glad we're having this conversation because as you're talking more about it um it, it's becoming more clear on exactly what this could do. And I'm someone who comes from a background of knowing nothing about this. So it's, it's, it's really interesting to hear you talk about it. Um, where can, you know, I guess this is the first public release, but where can, if, if people are interested or want to learn more, where can they find you? Where would you direct people? Yeah. The, um, the platform that we've been most focused on is our Instagram. And so if you, you can just look us up at behavior flow, behavior flow is the, the name of the app that we're developing. And, um, 
know, we're trying to put out uh, educational content there that really helps to break this stuff down. Um, so sort of like from that perspective, I was that I've been talking about like that, you know, can we help the layperson who's, re- you know, genuinely invested, they have a loved one, they really want to help better, like, how can we help better serve those people to understand this thing from the ground up and make it, you know, I, you know, hoping it's fun to fun to consume. And uh, we've been getting some pretty good responses so far. So yeah, they can check us out there at behavior flow. F L O W F L O W. Yeah, perfect. So Instagram is your main platform right now. Yeah. And, you know, we take all that stuff and we put it on Facebook and uh, and LinkedIn as well. But, uh, you know, it's, the main it's sort of designed for Instagram. Perfect. Yeah. Um, I You know, it's interesting because coming on this, I really wasn't even sure exactly what we were going to talk about. But I learned so much just about what a, I have always heard of ABA. I didn't really know what it was. I, I And I think if I don't know what it is, my mom worked in the schools. I was a substitute teacher one point. Right. I've heard right. of it all the time and I didn't know what it meant or what it was. And also, you know, talking about your experience of working in the setting and, you know, what you guys are trying to accomplish, how you're trying to accomplish it, uh, you know, the general public really has no idea. We've heard of autism, but what the heck actually happens in the classroom or in a, you know, in an out, out, you know, I call it outpatient, but in a home setting to get a, a child or a student or an adult into a place where they can be functional or, or you know, maximize on their, their social setting or their talent. And, um, you know, to me, this almost seems like a no brainer. It's funny as we were going through it, my thought process is, are you sure no one's done it? It almost seems, like <laughs> too, you know, it almost seems like this should have been done already. But the fact that you guys are working on it, um, it's it's pretty exciting stuff, and I'm and I'm super excited to for, to, for to, to hear the journey and and watch you guys progress. Thanks, man. Yeah, and I kind of like what you were just saying. Like, it it was hard to you know to make the leap into this this whole thing and uh, to sort of take the plunge and decide this is the thing we're gonna go with. But like. ABA is an established science. I, like you said, this, it's sort of mind-boggling that there that something like this doesn't exist. And so, you know, if I was just betting on one of my ideas, and you know, like if this was just me, that'd be one thing. But like, this is a well-established science. We know this works. This is evidence-based best practice. The Surgeon General says so. The APA says so. Like, this is this is a real thing. And so, you know, we're just trying to help disseminate that the the best that we can. That's awesome. Dan, we really appreciate you being on. And uh, if there's anything, you know, we can do for you to help promote this, uh, please just let us know. Okay. Yeah, it was a blast, man. Thank you so much for having me. I really appreciate it. Absolutely. Thank you for tuning in to the Stay Healthy New Jersey podcast brought to you by Strive to Move. If your pain or injury is preventing you from living the healthy and active lifestyle you love and deserve, and want to get back to doing what you love pain-free, we offer both a free ebook and free over-the-phone consultation to help you figure out the root cause of your pain and the best next steps to help resolve it. Find our ebooks online at strivetomove.com slash our services. There you'll find an ebook for topics on such things as back pain, knee pain, sports injuries, and CrossFit injuries. These ebooks will provide you with free expert advice, tips, and exercises to help solve your pain from the comfort of your own home. Just visit strivetomove.com slash our services to download your ebook and have it delivered directly to your inbox. We also offer free, no obligation phone consults with a doctor on staff to New Jersey residents. Just call us at 908-547-0729 or visit us at strivetomove.com and click 
the talk to the doctor first button on the homepage to schedule a call with us. Thanks again for joining us and we will see you next time on the stay healthy, New Jersey podcast.